The Exorcist, a 1973 film that horrified anyone who dared watch it. And we all remember the part when the main character, Reagan, played by Linda Blair, made her head spin 360 degrees. The scariest part of that movie is, it somewhat portrays real demonic possessions that several people have claimed they've experienced. For instance, in the movie The Devil Made Me Do It, the character Arnie Johnson murders his landlord in 1981 but claims that it was possession that caused him to stab the man repeatedly, killing him. It was the first case in U.S. history where a suspect claimed demonic possession as the reason for the killing. Arnie was convicted of first-degree murder, so it seems he and his lawyer couldn't convince the judge that this claimed takeover by a demonic force actually happened. But what do you think? Can possession take place? Turn off your lights, grab a snack, as we venture into the terrifying history of demonic possessions and exorcisms. This is Farah, and you're listening to The Conversation Cabin. Then was brought unto him, one possessed with a demon, blind and mute, and he healed him, insomuch that the mute man spoke and saw. Matthew 12, verse 22. In the Bible, there are several verses pertaining to demonic possessions and exorcisms six different instances that Jesus himself expelled evil entities and also directed his followers to do the same. In Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 12, it states that, quote, all Christians are called to put on the full armor of God to stand against spiritual forces of evil, end quote. Even though this verse states all Christians, only some were known to have the power over evil and able to perform said miracles, miracles being that of an exorcism, casting out of the evil spirit. Possession exists in many religions such as Christianity, Buddhism, Native American, Hinduism, and Wicca, just to name a few. A study that was completed in 1969 showed that 74% of a sample of 488 societies in all parts of the world believed in spirit possessions, and it's gaining more cases, more believers, every day. How is this, you ask? Well, pulling from the scriptures and missionary testimonies, many people who become possessed do so by opening themselves up to sin and or involvement in cultic behavior. 
either intentionally or unintentionally. Drug addiction has been shown to be a backdrop in some possessions because of the already altered and weak state of mind. When the mind is sedated or overwired, it's prone to letting the demon in because it feeds off the negativity. The evil wants to pull the victim into the dark, draining all positivity, love, faith that's left. When one gets deep into the occult, having our particular fascination with evil darkness, then that person's life will be consumed by the darkness, surrounding themselves with negativity, breeding it, feeding it. One can think that the devil or demon means well, that it cares for the person more than God does, and that's simply not true. Symptoms of demonic possession are when the victim becomes a completely different person. Irritable, weak, they can't control themselves. The evil entity may be able to speak through them, making their voice different. In Mark 5 verse 9, One of the six occasions in the Bible where Jesus confronted a spiritual takeover, it is written, quote, And he asked him, What is your name? And he said unto him, My name is Legion, for we are many. Since the Middle Ages, priests have been called upon to heal a broken person, who has been infected with evil and shows possession symptoms. In 2005, the Vatican has offered a course on exorcism, and stats show that the number of priests enrolled has doubled since the course's existence. Let's discuss some historical, terrifying cases. In 1671, Elizabeth Knapp, 16 years young from Massachusetts, was claimed to be possessed by a demonic force. Elizabeth was a servant in the house of Willard, and her case was documented by Samuel Willard, for whom which she served. He was a reputable preacher in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. He was quoted from one of his sermons saying, quote, the youth of the town should be very careful because although God is ready to receive them, the devil is ready to endeavor them, end quote. Willard took a curious interest in Elizabeth when she started showing signs of unusual behavior in fits. The preacher took a more specific approach when trying to find the cause of the young girl's strange ways by bringing in a medical doctor to evaluate her and try to find a possible cure. But after several visits, several attempts, Preacher Willard came to the conclusion that Elizabeth was possessed by an evil spirit. Documenting the girl's behavior in a journal, The preacher noted that she went into violent fits of rage when he was near, which 
We can all conclude from everything we've heard about possessions. One symptom is the odd reaction to all things religious. Hence, the preacher's presence sent her into a spiral. She complained of body aches. She would cry, laugh hysterically. She experienced delirium, hallucinations. One time, it was journaled that she saw a man floating above her while in bed. Elizabeth would freak out into convulsions, falling to the floor, twitching, contorting her body in strange ways. She would yell out, quote, money, money, sin and misery, misery, end quote. On November 2nd, 1671, Elizabeth confessed to Preacher Willard that she had a meeting with the devil. The devil promised her youth, financial gain, no pain from labor, and the ability to see the world. Eerily, she was given a book of blood confidence that were apparently signed by other women, almost a way to convince her that there were others out there that he was helping. And they were all excited about it, and she should be too. Come join, he said. She also confided in the preacher that the devil was pushing her to commit suicide. This concerned the preacher, of course, but what was he to do? The doctor was unable to help, he was unable to help, and all of this led to the night of November 28, 1671, when Elizabeth went into her longest fit, which lasted 48 hours long and it left her in a catatonic state for over a week. On December 8th, she confessed to the preacher Willard that she gave in to the devil and his temptation by letting him in her bed. The next journal entry wasn't until January 10th, 1672, when he again met with Elizabeth she exclaimed that she had no control over her body, her thoughts, or what she speaks. The devil speaks through her. She went into yet another crying, yelling, screaming fit, which again led her to a catatonic state, speechless for another five days. Preacher Willard documented the last of his findings with a few key points. One point, he stated, that he felt in no way was she putting on a show. It was impossible. A smart, strong, young girl wouldn't do this to herself, couldn't do this to herself. The second point, he concluded that this was in no way natural. It was certainly diabolical. Thirdly, even though others weren't convinced of the possession, he was. He wrote that it was the devil speaking through her, as several times her mouth would be closed. Her throat would swell up like a balloon and her voice was not her own. And lastly, Preacher Willard felt that she didn't, quote, make a pact with the devil, unquote, as she would constantly contradict her stories. We don't know what happened to Elizabeth in her spirit possession, it's a mystery still. Another well-known recorded exorcism 
was in 1912. It was involving a young girl from Wisconsin whose name was either Anna Eklund or Emma Schmidt. The reason for the different names was to keep her identity secret. Father Theophilius Reisinger went to spiritual war for the first time in this case first showing symptoms at just 14 years young. Father worked his faith to expel the demon from the girl, but he was called upon once again when Anna or Emma was in her 40s, showing symptoms again of an evil takeover. In 1936, the father was quoted saying, you cannot imagine the terrible symptoms and feelings that possessed persons have strange cats and dogs talked to them in the night they could not perform their religious duties they are kept away from the sacraments they are exceedingly unhappy end quote with the help of reverend joseph steiger father reisinger brought anna to a franciscan convent and this is how the exorcism was described Quote, the woman was placed firmly upon the mattress of an ironed bed. Upon the advice of Father Reisinger, her arm sleeves and her dress were tightly bound so as to prevent any devilish tricks. The strongest nuns were selected to assist her in case anything might happen. There was a suspicion that the devil might attempt attacking the exorcist during the ceremony. Should anything unusual happen, the nuns were told to hold the woman quiet upon her bed. Soon after the prescribed prayers of the church were begun, the woman sank into unconsciousness and remained in that state throughout the period of exorcism. Her eyes were closed up so tightly that no force could open them." End quote. When Father Reisinger started to perform the expelling, it was said that, quote, the woman dislodged herself from the bed and from the hands of her guards, and her body carried through the air, landed high above the door of the room, and clung to the wall with a tenacious grip. All present were struck with a trembling fear. Father Theophilius alone kept his peace. End quote. During this chaos, it was said that the nuns had dragged her down to the bed, again restraining her. Anna was said to be moaning unusual sounds, turning everyone's heads in the convent. They would come to see what was happening but couldn't stomach the sounds and left. It was noted, quote, the physical condition of the possessed presented such a gruesome sight because of the distorted members of her body that it was unbearable, end quote. A little side note. When I was researching this case, I could not believe the detail that I was reading. It literally is what happens. And I thought this whole time the movies were just an embellishment. 
Another disturbing case is that of 23 years young Anna Elizabeth Michelle, otherwise known as Annalise, who was from Bavaria, Germany. Anna succumbed to her possession after an 11-month battle to expel her demon. Malnutrition and dehydration was her said cause of death. Anna was a young German girl at the prime of her life when she was taken. She wasn't the healthiest as a child, having measles, mumps, and scarlet fever before the age of five. Fragile was how her parents described her. After turning 16, she experienced a blackout at school and after became dazed, confused, walking around as if she was lost. Her family said she seemed to be in a quote, trans-like state, end quote. After midnight of that same day, Anna became immobile, unable to move, even losing control of her bladder, frequently wetting her bed. Her tongue appeared to be sword, her breathing heavy, labored. She was diagnosed with psychosis and then depression. Anna Lee suffered another blackout a year later and again resulted in paralysis. Shortly after, she had been experiencing a sore throat, which led to her tonsils being removed. Then it spiraled into pneumonia, complicating matters worth. She then got tuberculosis infection. Her young, fragile little body couldn't take what the so-called demon was throwing at her. She had to be pulled out of school and now was confined to her bed, withering away. At one of her doctor's appointments, she experienced her first vision of the demon. It grimaced at her. And fearing that it would visit her again, she stopped praying, since she was praying at the time that the evil grimace came to her. Annalise was prescribed anti-convulsion medications, but after years of being on them and many others, with no improvement of her symptoms, her family was convinced she was under attack by a demonic force. Suffering, she began to hear voices and reacting oddly whenever religious objects were near. Father Ernst Alt was quoted saying, Annalise told me, and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire, and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ in the chapel of the house. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. 
They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. End quote. Medications, doctor's help, and 67 exorcism rites could not save Annalise. On July 1st, 1976, she lost her fight with evil, and the priest, along with her parents, were charged with negligent homicide. It is shown that the state ruled that none of the suspects be jailed. Instead, the priest were only fined, and the parents were exempt from any punishment as, quote, they suffered enough, end quote. Demonic possessions and exorcisms are becoming more popular in the United States and around the world. In 2018, the state of Indianapolis received 1,700 requests for exorcisms. In Rome, there are 30 to 50 cases a day. Churches are training new exorcists. For example, in 2011, it was reported that there were 15 or less Catholic exorcists, and currently there are well over a hundred. There was a huge spike in exorcism after the murder of George Floyd. When the protests were forming in different states, Roman Catholic archbishops would perform a rite of exorcism after some of the protests in an attempt to clear any evil lingerings. Messenger John Essef, a priest for 63 years and an exorcist for more than 40 years in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania, was once quoted saying, as the acceptance of sin has increased, so too has demonic activity. The bishops saw the need for more trained exorcists because so many cases were being referred from all over the country to the diocese that had exorcists. A person should be cared for in his own diocese. End quote. So, do you believe in demonic possession? Or do you think that these cases that we discussed this evening were just psychotic delusions, medical anomalies? In my opinion, I believe in God, I believe in good, but where there is good, there is also evil. Evil is everywhere, we see it every day. I remember something that stood out to me on the Chris Watts case, where he was charged, convicted, and sentenced for murdering his wonderful wife, Shanann, and his young, beautiful daughters, Celeste and Bella. Chris Watts was recorded in prison after his sentencing while visiting with the agents that were assigned to his case, and I remember him saying something along the lines of, was when I was on top of Shanann and put my hands around her neck strangling her. It felt like there was something behind me with its hands on my hands. I couldn't let go. 
There are a lot of cases like that where the murderer didn't feel that they had control over their body. In the Watts case, he let sin into his life, the devil, tempting him with adultery, a new life. Even the recent Murdaugh murders, Alex Murdoch became greedy, a drug addict. He welcomed the negativity in his life. The devil enticed him that if he just killed his wife Maggie and his son Paul, that the problems would just all fade away. Financial woes gone. But they didn't. And he will spend the rest of his life in prison, being haunted by his family and their last words every morning, every noon, and every night. What makes someone leap into the dark? What are they promised? Or how are they comforted by the darkness? Today's quote is by Alexi Maxim Russell. Although terrifying, the evil ghost will probably pose no real danger to you or your family. On the other hand, if you have a demonic infestation, your entire household is in very real danger. A demonic entity will not usually confront you or induce you to flee the home because Unlike the evil ghost, the demon does not actually want you to leave. On the contrary, it wants you to stick around so it can destroy your life and sully your soul from the inside. All right, cabin crew, thank you for joining me for tonight's episode. Remember, we're changing to Tuesdays and Saturdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. That way you can get your dose of strange once a week and once on the weekend. Thank you to all my new followers on Instagram and TikTok. All my new listeners, thank you for letting me tell you a scary story. Remember to email me at theconversationcabin at gmail.com if you have a scary experience that you'd like to share and would like to be a guest on the show. You can remain anonymous. It's up to you. But until next time, cabin crew, explore your strange. <laughs>